0: with such clarity.
1: What kind of philosophy could appeal so deeply both to analytically-minded scientists and to romantic visionaries and poets? What kind of theology could provoke charges both of atheism and of God-intoxication? What kind of a man was Spinoza that he could endure the trauma of excommunication and public disgrace, and yet write works which breathe an air of the deepest calm and serenity? Baruch Spinoza was born in 1632 in the bustling city of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Perhaps no other city of that time was quite as vital, quite as prosperous, or quite as progressive. Seventeenth-century Amsterdam was home to Rembrandt, a neighbor of Spinoza's. It was also home to Leeuwenhoek, the inventor of the microscope, and to Christian Huygens, the famous mathematician and physicist. Commerce was king. The harbor was filled with trading ships returning from distant lands laden with exotic wares. Amsterdam was also a center for free trade and ideas, at least by the standards of the time. In fact, the city's tolerance of religious diversity led Spinoza's parents to settle there when they were forced to leave their native Portugal. The Spinozas were Jewish, and the Catholic Inquisition offered the Jews in Spain and Portugal only three alternatives conversion to Christianity, death, or exile. The families of Mikael and Hannah de Bora de Spinoza chose exile, sailed to Amsterdam and settled into the city's sizable Jewish enclave. Mikael and Hannah de Bora chose the name Baruch for their son, a name which means blessed in Hebrew. Baruch Spinoza was educated in the Jewish boys' school. He may have thought of becoming a rabbi, but as his studies progressed, he became less and less convinced by his teacher's orthodox interpretation of the Hebrew scriptures and commentaries. Baruch sharpened his mind to a fine edge through the study of these works, but he was not satisfied with them. As a teenager, Spinoza became curious about other ideas. He undertook to learn Latin so he could also study the works of Christian and secular thinkers. At the time, almost all such works were written in Latin. However, these interests on the part of a young man may have seemed a little suspect in the Jewish community. Latin, in addition to being the universal language of the learned, also was the clerical language of the hated Inquisition. The more Spinoza studied the works of other philosophers and theologians, the more his thinking differed from the views of his teachers and his fellows in the synagogue. Perhaps it was inevitable that his own unorthodox ideas would bring him into conflict with the authorities of the Jewish community. He was offered the chance to recant his heresies, but he refused to compromise. And so, just as his parents had been forced into exile from Portugal because they wouldn't abandon their religious beliefs, so Spinoza was exiled from his community for refusing to relinquish his philosophical convictions. After his excommunication at the age of 24, Spinoza changed his first name, Baruch, to its Latin equivalent, Benedictus. He lived a quiet life, talking sometimes with a group of Protestant Christians, unorthodox like himself, he exchanged letters with various important businessmen, philosophers, and scientists who showed an interest in his ideas. An early biographer, Kolaris, provides the following description of his appearance as a young man.
0: He was of a middle size. He had good features in his face, the skin somewhat black the hair dark and curly, the eyebrows long and black, so that one might easily know by his looks that he was descended from Portuguese Jews. As for his clothes, he was very careless of them, and they were not better than those of the meanest citizen. One of the most eminent councillors of state went to see him and found him in a very untidy morning gown whereupon the counselor reproached him for it, and offered him another. Spinoza answered him that a man was never the better for having a fine gown.
1: Spinoza's frugality showed not only in his clothes, but in his entire manner of life. He lived in self-imposed poverty, making his very modest living as a lens grinder. On several occasions, people offered him considerable sums of money, but he never accepted. A friend, Simon de Vries, tried to give him 2,000 florins, about $1,000 to make his life easier. But Spinoza asked that he make the gift smaller, explaining that such a large sum would surely distract him from his work and his studies. In 1673, Spinoza was approached by a representative of the Elector Palatine, Carl Ludwig, who invited him to assume the prestigious position of Professor of Philosophy at the University of Heidelberg. Again, Spinoza turned down the opportunity to achieve a comfortable income and great professional status. The invitation had indicated that he would be allowed full freedom of philosophizing, but on the condition that he not undermine the established Protestant Reformed religion. Spinoza replied in a characteristically polite letter.
2: If I had ever entertained a wish to take on a professorship in any faculty, I could have desired no other than that which is offered me through you by His Serene Highness the Elector Palatine particularly on account of that freedom of philosophizing which the most gracious prince is pleased to offer, to say nothing of my long-felt desire to live under the rule of a prince whose wisdom all admire. Since, however, it was never my intention to give public instruction, I cannot be induced to embrace this glorious opportunity."
1: In a later passage of the letter, Spinoza voices his deeper concerns regarding the position offered him.
2: I think that I do not know within what limits that freedom of philosophizing ought to be confined in order to avoid the appearance of wishing to disturb the publicly established religion. For schisms arise not so much from an ardent love of religion, but from men's various dispositions or the love of contradiction, through which they are wont to distort and to condemn all things, even those which have been correctly stated. I have already experienced these things while living a private and solitary life, much more than are they to be feared after I shall have been raised to this honoured position. Thus you see, most honoured sir, that I am not holding back in the hope of some better fortune but from love of peace.
1: Spinoza's peace and quiet were too important to him to risk the distractions and the political pressures which would accompany a prestigious academic position. In the 20 years between his excommunication and his death at age 44, Spinoza moved five different times to various cities in the Netherlands. In each city, he rented a room in the house of a local inhabitant. Coleris, his biographer, tells
0: us the following about his daily life. His amusements were very simple. Talking on ordinary matters with the people of the house, smoking now and again a pipe of tobacco, watching the habits and quarrels of insects, making observations with a microscope. Such were his pastimes in the hours which he could spare from his philosophy. But the greater part of his day was taken up with severe mental work in his room. Sometimes he would become so absorbed that he would remain alone for two or three days together, his meals being brought up to him.
1: Thus Spinoza worked away at his lenses and his philosophy in the cramped quarters which were his home. The glass dust, which he must have breathed constantly, weakened his lungs, and he died quietly of tuberculosis one Sunday afternoon in his last home city, the Hague. The simplicity and calm of Spinoza's life have spoken to later generations of his admirers as eloquently as have his written works. Matthew Arnold summed up the views of many as he wrote, Spinoza led a life, the most spotless perhaps, to be found among the lives of the philosophers. He lived simple, studious, even-tempered, kind, declining honours, declining riches, declining notoriety. Therefore, he has been in a certain sphere, edifying, and has inspired in many powerful minds an interest and an admiration such as no other philosopher has inspired since Plato. During Spinoza's short lifetime, he published only one book, openly, and one anonymously. At his death, his main work, an unpublished book called The Ethics, was left locked in a drawer. It was delivered to a friend, who arranged for it to be published along with some of his letters and two other unfinished manuscripts. These few works are all that remain of Spinoza's thought, but in them we find a worldview and a philosophy of life unsurpassed in its scope, in its intellectual rigor, and according to some in its relevance for our lives today.